Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. And last week, wasn't last week amazing with Pastor Ron and Miss Kelly Woods? Y'all must have not have been here because I'm just telling you, like, I'm still hearing feedback from last week. They did our marriage conference last Saturday night, and then he preached this Sunday morning. It was so powerful. If you missed last week's message, I'm just telling you, you have to go online and watch it. You can find it on YouTube, listen on Spotify, uh, watch it on Facebook, or even on our Facebook page. And so I'd encourage you to do that. I'm curious, how many of you were required to learn a foreign language when you were in high school or college? Would you just raise up your hands? All right, so most of you in the room today had to learn some type of language. I remember stepping into my Spanish one class in high school, and the teacher immediately, like we all got seated, and then she started spouting off some stuff in Spanish, as if we would understand what she was saying. I imagine that on the outside, definitely on the inside, my eyes were rolling, thinking if this is how the rest of this class is going to be, I can't even imagine. We were required to take two years of foreign language. I took Spanish one and Spanish two and learned enough to pass the class and get through it, and I still have a very limited vocabulary in Spanish. A lifetime ago, our family lived in India, and I went to language school to learn Hindi. And I'm just telling you that there was a drastic difference between learning Spanish in Memphis, Tennessee and learning Hindi while being completely immersed in the country and the culture of India. The knowledge was deeper, the growth happened infinitely faster than if I would have just been taking a separate class. I think about for those of you who are on sports teams, you can learn a lot and get a pretty good understanding of a sport by watching film. But when you get on the field in the midst of that play and you start hearing, Omaha, thank y'all. I really wondered. I was like, is that thing going to fall flat? And it didn't. There were a couple of you who loved me back in the back. Thank you. That was the greatest pastor appreciation gift you could ever give me. It takes on a new meaning. Your knowledge and understanding is going to be deeper and you'll either grow uh, or get defeated. There's this ordinance in the church that Jesus commanded believers to observe. So you're like, what is an ordinance? It's a prescribed practice. It's something that's been prescribed and ordered by Jesus and is practiced by the church. And we do these things because we've been told by Jesus to do them. And one of the ordinances that we observe as a church is water baptism. And let me tell you, you can get a pretty good understanding of water baptism by coming to church like you've done this morning, watching four people get baptized today. It's exciting. We still cheer you on, each of you who did that. You can grow in your knowledge of baptism by reading the word of God and seeing what it has to say about it. But there is a deeper knowledge and understanding when you're personally lowered, when you're immersed, when you're buried with Christ and then raised with him to walk in newness of life. This morning, I wanna take a few minutes and talk to you about something that Jesus found so important. 
He did it, and and, in the final moments of, of his time on earth, he commanded us to also do this thing. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray this morning. God, again, we're just so grateful. Lord, already the atmosphere in this room of faith and celebration As we look to your word this morning, I just pray for a mighty supernatural move of your spirit. Would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This verse that I just read is central to our vision statement as a church. And our vision statement as a church is to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God to grow in their relationship with him and go tell the world the good news. Jesus thought that water baptism was so important, he gave us the command to make disciples and baptize those disciples. We read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus entered this earth as a baby. In fact, in just a couple of months, which is just crazy, We will be celebrating Christmas, the time when Emmanuel, God with us, came to the earth. He lived a sinless life, was crucified, died, and was buried, and three days later, he was raised from the dead. And while he was on this earth, he had one purpose, and that was to do the will of the Father. Matthew chapter 3 records the moment when Jesus was baptized. I want us to turn there this morning, Matthew chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, it's also going to appear on the screen or you can scroll on your digital devices. And this, again, is is the story of when Jesus was baptized. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine being John? The pressure of baptizing the Son of God. There are some things that we take for granted in life, and I'll just tell you that I have baptized a number of you. I've performed some of your weddings, and I've also performed, officiated some of your family members' funerals. And in each of these things, there was a first. The first wedding that I ever performed or officiated was the wedding for my twin brother. You talk about pressure. If I mess up his wedding, this will be the source of conversation for the rest of my life every time we gather for family meals. Yet that pressure would not compare to being the one selected to baptize Jesus. Side note, I had never officiated a funeral before becoming the pastor of this church. Think about that. Now you have a lead pastor that the church has elected who has never performed a funeral. 
And a couple of months after I got here, J.R. Iverson, Deb Mummelfi's dad said, peace out. And the very first funeral that I did as a pastor of this church and as a period was J.R. Iverson. You talk about the pressure. At that time, a third of the church were the Mummelfi's. And this was their dad. Yet that pressure would not compare to the pressure that John would experience being selected to baptize Jesus. And John felt unqualified to baptize Jesus. Who would feel worthy to take on such a monumental responsibility? John did what Jesus asked him to do. And the rest of the passage says that something supernatural happened. I think as we think about uh, the Great Commission, the vision of the church, who are we to do this? Now, I don't think there's a single person in the room this morning or watching online who's arrogant enough to be like, of course God would want to use me. I'm amazing. Right? Instead, we're nothing but for the grace of God. We're nothing without the empowerment of the Spirit of God living in us. And even today, Jesus is extending the invitation for ordinary people to follow him in obedience to accomplish supernatural things. I realize that everyone's at a different place in their journey of faith. And I would assume that there are some of you here who are in person or watching online who are resistors. Like you're here today out of some kind of duty or obligation. Your spouse drug you along and reluctantly just to try to keep peace in the family you came Maybe some of you are still under the rules of your parents' house and and they forced you to come today. And and in both instances, you couldn't be more disinterested in the things of God. I just wanna tell you that today we have prayed for you. I've prayed for you at our pre-service prayer this morning at eight o'clock. We prayed for you that, that on this side of eternity, that you would confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There are others of you in in your journey that are maybe curious about Jesus and you're open to it, but you just haven't quite made that decision to follow him, to surrender your life to him. And again, we pray that you will make that leap today to become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who are at the very beginning of your relationship with Jesus. Maybe there are others who have been serving Jesus for their entire lifetime. And here's what I wanna ask of those of you who have been serving Jesus for a very short time or for those of you who've been serving Jesus for a very long time, have you followed the Lord in obedience in being water baptized? Have you followed the Lord in obedience in being water baptized? And if not, why? If you haven't done it, what in the world would it take for you to take that step of obedience? The very fact that we're followers of Jesus should lead us to value his example and obey his words. We should follow his example. Jesus was baptized and he told us to be baptized. So I wanna take the rest of our time this morning and talk about what baptism is. As followers of Jesus, we look to the scripture, the holy word of God to guide us and direct us. There are certain things that we come across in life where there is no direct correlation found in scripture. And some of you are like, what? Well, I promise you, if you search the entirety of scripture, you will not read anything about social media. It's not there. You won't find modern technology in the word of God. The word of God does not instruct us on, uh, directly on artificial intelligence. 
there are other things that there is no direct correlation. And so what do we do when we come up against these things? How do we know how to deal with them? We take the full principles of scripture and we apply the principle of scripture to those things. There are also some things that we do find ourselves experiencing in this life where there is a direct one-on-one correlation. And I'll just tell you, baptism is one of those things. Like we see the model and the example of Jesus and his instructions to us. And so there's a specific directive from that. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to wash, plunge, soak, or dip. We have Jesus' example and his command. And for me, I'm just telling you, I'm simple enough of a person that if Jesus did it one way and he instructed us to do it one way, like I don't need to try to be innovative on that or try to come up with a new approach to what Jesus has already done. Does that make sense for some of you? Like maybe you are more complicated than I am, but for me, like that's just, as I read scripture, it's, it's that simple. The method that Jesus modeled and what we see in other passages talk about baptism being a full immersion experience. And in this method, there is this powerful imagery and connection to Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. And some of you are like, well, what, what does that mean? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. I would love for you to read along with me, not out loud, but uh, this morning, read along with me on the screen. And obviously, you can, uh, in your own time this week, come back and read it in whatever version that you're used to reading it in. But I just like the way that this paints a clear picture of baptism. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, Paul writes, So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That's what happened in baptism. When we were lowered, when we went under the water, we left the country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see that where we're going in a new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross of Christ. It is a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is, is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even let it run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the tyranny of that any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. What a powerful passage. 
And Paul starts this passage out by asking this question. He's like, since the grace of God is so great, should we have a little competition here, a little friendly competition to see who can send the most? So that then we can also be forgiven the most. And Paul writes, I should sure hope not. He says, if you're doing that, you're missing the point. He wrote that when we left the country where sin was sovereign, and if we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? We've left it for good. I think if Paul was rewriting this passage for us today, trying to come up with a relevant example for us, he might say something like this. You escaped 2020. You left it in the past. You survived. Why in the world would you want to return to the place of disaster when God has brought you to a place of peace and wholeness? When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life and a new land. And Paul continues in this passage, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer as sins every beck and call. What an amazing picture. Baptism is something that every believer should experience. And no matter what your church tradition has been, baptism most likely has been part of it. We all do baptism differently. Some of you might wonder why we baptize the way that we do. Well, I'll tell you, it goes back to the value that we place on this book. It goes back to the value that we place on this book. Some might ask if water baptism is a requirement to get into heaven. And again, we go back to this book. There was this moment in history where Jesus is hung on a cross and there are two criminals beside him. One is mocking Jesus and the other is uh, open to Jesus and in and, and humility believed in Jesus that day. And Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. It didn't bother Jesus that this man hadn't been baptized. He didn't look over at him and be like, man, if only you could get baptized today, then you could be with me in paradise. You know, if only we had time. You know, I think you can see, like, I've got these nails in my hands and my feet. I can't exactly come off of here right now to water baptize you. But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's not a requirement, but if Jesus modeled it and commanded it, What could possibly be a good enough reason to not get baptized? And so again, as we look at the word of God, we model the way that we do baptisms after that. In the Bible, we see the timing in which baptism should take place. We see in scripture that baptism follows salvation. Even when we go back to the Great Commission, Jesus didn't say go in, Jesus said go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, go baptize people, making them disciples. There's an order, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a story found in Acts chapter 8 of this man who's presented with the gospel. And as he's immediately presented with the gospel, he says, I want to be baptized right now. And so in Acts chapter 8, Verse number 30, it says, so Philip ran to him and heard this man reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep 
He was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they're going along the road, they come to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. This guy was so moved by scripture, so moved by the presentation of the gospel of Philip that he's like, I don't wanna wait another minute to get baptized. He's like, there's water. What's preventing me right now from getting baptized? And I'll just say the same question for all of us today. Like if you've not been baptized, what in the world is preventing you from doing that? And at the end of this service, we'll have a time of prayer. We'll have another worship song. And if you're like this man in the scripture in Acts chapter eight, and you're like, I don't wanna wait another day. There's water here and we have shorts and t-shirts for you and extra towels. And you wanna get baptized at the end of this service or the beginning of next service, then I'm just telling you, we can make that work for you. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized after he believed. Baptism takes place after salvation. It's an outward sign of an inward work. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism testifies that we're no longer the same person. We're no longer the same person. One of the commentaries that I read in preparation for this message said that back in, in the early days that, uh, of the Bible that people would actually wear one set of clothes to get baptized in, an old set of clothes. And then after they were baptized, they would put on new clothes signaling, symbolizing the change that had taken place. On the day when you make the decision to follow Lord, the Lord in obedience to get baptized, it's an incredible opportunity for you to invite your family and friends to declare the work that God has done in your life. I loved it this morning, the little cheering section over here. There's one family that's sitting in this section that normally comes to second service, and they sit in this section. And you're like, y'all, you really know where we sit? Yes, I know where you sit. Uh, some of you are just creatures of habit. And they're like, you know, our son's classmate is getting baptized today. And so they sat on this side today to cheer them on. And, uh, and I just, I love that you've invited your friends and your family today to come and celebrate this moment with you. There's no greater service to invite your friends and family to than the one where you're getting baptized. There's this amazing thing that we observe in, when Jesus was baptized, that after he was baptized, Matthew chapter three, verse number 16 says that immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. After Jesus was baptized, God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He got an attaboy from his dad. And when we get baptized, we're declaring that God has done an inner work in us. And we wanna tell the world that we identify with Jesus, that we're choosing to make him the Lord of our life. 
As we take this step of obedience, God the Father says then to us, this is my beloved son or my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Getting baptized is not just something, a box that we check off. Right, it's not something, uh, it's not a box that we check off. In fact, you could get baptized in every church in the nation. And if you haven't surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, then all you've accomplished is just getting wet multiple times. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. In the scriptures that we've looked at today, we're commanded by Jesus to get water baptized. And more importantly, once we come up out of the water, we are told to leave the old life of sin behind and to walk in the new life that he has for us. We're called to exchange a life of disobedience for a life submitted and obedient to him. The act of water baptism should be a first step of obedience that leads to a lifetime of obedience. When we're water baptized, it opens up our life to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit descended on Jesus the day that he was baptized. And I'm just telling you, like we need the the empowerment of the Spirit to live out the new life. We need the power of the Spirit. And we think about what Christ has done for us. Water baptism is a way for us to say, we wanna identify with Jesus. Look, there are certain things in our life that we don't wanna be associated with. Maybe for some of you, it's certain brands and what they represent. And so you're like, there's no way that I want to be anywhere around this certain brand because you don't wanna be associated with it. Can I just tell you that when it comes to Jesus, there is nothing about him that we should be ashamed of. There should be nothing on the inside of us that goes, I wanna keep the Jesus brand at a distance. Because Jesus is never gonna fail us. He's never gonna let us down. And so water baptism is a way for us to publicly say, God, You've done something great in my life. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me that I could be wretched and full of sin, but the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross has forgiven me of my sins when I confess my sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive me. He's extended an invitation for me to live, leave the old life of sin and the past and walk in the new life of freedom that Jesus extends. When we think about that moment of salvation, why in the world wouldn't we take that next first step in being water baptized? To see the symbolism of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus lived out in our life. That as we get into the baptismal tank, as we're lowered down, we're buried with Christ, we're raised to life out of the water and the newness and the life that Jesus has for us. why wouldn't you want to identify with the man who's given it all? I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you today who one of the reasons why you've not been water baptized is because you're not a follower of Jesus. You've not surrendered your life to the Lordship of him. 
You say, today I wanna become a follower of Jesus. I wanna surrender my life completely to him. I wanna leave the old life of sin and walk in the new life that he has for me. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift up your hands all across this room. One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask that as I lead you in this prayer that you would repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raised your hand today, I'm gonna ask that you would do one or both of these things. One is to the person who invited you or brought you or the one sitting beside you, I would love for you to tell them that you prayed that prayer and that you made that decision today so that they can encourage you along in this journey, in this race of faith. In addition to that, in just a moment, the worship team's gonna lead us in another song and the prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. And if you raised your hand today and you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to step out of your seat And let somebody pray for you and pray a prayer of blessing for you and encourage you as you've made this decision today. I'm gonna pray. When I'm done praying, if if somebody today is like, I I don't wanna let another moment go by without getting water baptized, Pastor Dan is standing in the center aisle right by the sound booth. And if you're like, I wanna get baptized at the end of this service, he'll get you a pair of shorts, a t-shirt and a towel. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you in moments like these as we think about an ordinance that you have commanded us that your word is clear for it. And so God, I pray for those who have been followers of you for a long time, those who have been followers of you for a short time, who haven't followed you in this step of obedience and being water baptized, that today would be a day where they would take that step, that you would give them the courage to do it. Or Lord, maybe some of them say, I don't wanna do it today because I want my family to be here, but next week I'm gonna get baptized. But they purpose in their hearts that today is the day that they're gonna make that decision to do it. God, we thank you for your word for us, your love for us. We thank you for the four people this morning that went public with their faith and we celebrate with them that their old life was buried and they were raised to new life with you. Praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. 
For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.